I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Well, some uh, developments have occurred, at least at uh, some state levels um, here recently. So I want to get into that just for a minute. But, uh, you know, we'll start off talking about the Supreme Court refusing to see any of the cases in which qualified immunity was being revisited and they decided to kick all those cases out and decided they didn't want to look at those cases um, if you listen to the fifth column podcast they David French said he thought that was because um, the that Amash had introduced a bill to end qualified immunity and that it should be taken up at the legislative level and Mike Meharry actually kind of co-signed on that, not saying that I think Mike Meharry listened to that podcast, but when he was on with Scott Horton, he had uh, he had made the same kind of the same uh, determination that this is one bill, one time, an exception to the rule that it's a good thing that it's being looked at um, at a national level in the uh in washington and uh, that this will be the only way to truly end qualified immunity for police officers and uh hold them accountable for their actions whenever they are involved in violating someone's civil rights whether that be you know as mike meharry pointed out shooting a 10-year-old kid when you're supposed to be, when you're trying to shoot the family dog or um, you have an instance like Breonna Taylor where you uh, end up with a no-knock raid gone wrong at the wrong house for someone who's never lived there or been there and that you already have in custody or Duncan Limp or Daniel Shaver or any of these situations that we talk about constantly as libertarians. But Colorado did, on the state level, uh, pass legislation to end qualified immunity at the state level. So there is an opportunity in the state of Colorado for the police to be held accountable and to face lawsuits for their crimes against the public. So that that is at least somewhat promising. And, you know, for as progressive as Colorado is in some of the in many of these fights, they are kind of on the forefront, whether it be marijuana or psilocybin mushrooms and now qualified immunity. So, um, you know, they're they're actually touching on some valid points of emphasis that we have to, uh, you know, that we should at least tip our hat to them, to Colorado, for taking the actions necessary in order to uh, to hold some uh, get rid of some of the the violence that that is occurring due to police interactions with the public. Um, 
Now, there's this really strange story going around, and I can't make heads or tails of it. Um, and I want to get into kind of the media and how they frame things and then stay silent about certain things. And I kind of have an opinion on that that I want to get into here towards the end um, at, of the end of this podcast. Um, again, I say this all the time when I'm doing a solo. It's probably going to be short. Uh but I, I do have a tendency to ramble as I'm doing now. Um, I'm driving, so I'm probably paying attention to a lot of things at once, and my mind is going to go flippantly back and forth, and uh, I'll be stumbling over words and all those good things that you expect of me whenever I am talking to myself into this damn headset and uh, pretending that you're sitting here right in front of me. Um the only good thing about you not sitting here in front of me is I don't have to picture your ugly ass nude. So, um, at least take comfort in that I'm not seeing you naked at this time. So, um, there's a story going around about, I don't know how to, how to frame it, hangings, lynchings, people finding nooses. Now, now we've seen a lot of this in the past. Most of the stuff turns out to be, um, a hoax, you know, you got the Jesse Smollett thing here. Recently, we have some fucking guy who drives a car for a living uh, in circles, can only make left turns. NASCAR, NASCAR driver, uh, Bubba Wallace, who somehow saw a noose in um, in a garage door string or something. I don't know. I haven't really paid attention to it because I. Don't pay attention to NASCAR. Why would I pay attention to somebody who can only make left-hand turns? Um, so uh, I'm not going to talk about the nooses so much because I do know it happens. Okay, so um, it happened on my cousin's job site the other day. Um, whether somebody being an asshole and sick sense of humor, whatever, whatever it is, I, I don't. I don't know what these people are trying to accomplish. Makes no sense to me. Um, but there was a, I know in California there have been instances of two men found hanged from trees. Uh, there was an instance in Spring, Texas, of another black man found hung from a tree, and then there was a in Houston there was a Hispanic man that was found hanged. So we're to look at that and a lot of the a lot of the sources on this are saying that these are suicides which why people hanging themselves is suddenly um, in trend I guess I don't know it, it doesn't really make sense unless and and here was here's kind of my thinking and people have weird motivations all right so let's just take just the for for example and i'm not going to focus on any one of these um specifically because i don't know much about any of these people i just know that this has been something i've seen some of my progressive friends sharing and i've kind of like i have no idea what's happening here it really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but if you think about it from the point of view 
of somebody who's depressed. And they're depressed because they feel like they've been overlooked. They're not, people aren't paying attention to them. Um, these are the types of people maybe that, that become incels, you know, uh, that uh, shoot up schools and things of this nature, looking for some attention, some fame, some, you know, some lasting legacy that they can leave behind, even if it's being demonized. You know, they, they say there's no such thing as bad um, uh, publicity. So you can you can look at it in this light and you can see, if, for instance, that there may be some people out there that are already suicidal, that feel hopeless, that feel like they've been overlooked, that feel like they've been ignored, and they want to capitalize on the moment and leave something in their wake, and this leads them to do something like hang themselves in a tree in public and commit suicide. I'm not saying that's what I believe happened. I'm saying you can see it, for instance, that that is a possibility that of something that could happen. But what, what the progressives inevitably want you to believe is that there are bands of white supremacists on the, on the street running around hanging people. We have no evidence of this being the case. Um, you have a few dead bodies hung publicly. And uh, that's all we know. We have no further information on it, uh, truly. How you would investigate something like that, I'm not really certain. Uh, investigation is not more my forte. Talking shit is. And most of the time, I'm just talking shit. So, um, I'm, not, I'm not real sure what's going on there. And I would just, I, I encourage everybody to kind of save their talking points, whatever those talking points might be, until there's some more information, if there ever will be any more information on these situations, because I don't think it's helpful to just start assuming that bands of white supremacists are going around hanging people. In, in another situation, you could see uh, again, taking, you know, capitalizing on this current scenario in which people are so race, race conscious, 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 I'm sorry, that, that got tangled up on the roof of my mouth like a motherfucker, um, that, and, and so determined to have the conversation about racism that you could see a scenario in which maybe um, these are actually gangs that are taking <laughs> um, different avenues of killing their you know rival gang members in an attempt to further um, divide people and uh, continue the chaos in order for them to capitalize in some way, shape, or form. Uh, again, not saying that's what I believe. I'm just saying there are these scenarios that you can look at and you can say, okay, 
this may not be everything that it appears to be. I'm not real sure what's happening here, and I'm not sure how I should how I should look at these scenarios. I just think it, that people need to be careful when buying into um, these talking points without any evidence uh, because we're not even sure. And, you know, I mean, you just make yourself look stupid in the end if you're if you're just jumping to conclusions. Um, and then there's this weird story going around and this I'll probably get a little bit more in detail about because I have my own thoughts on this and I actually have kind of a, an opinion on what's happening here. And, uh, I've, I've spent a few days in between drafting, um, some stories that I'm working on thinking about this particular story. So there was a, there's a story going around mainly being talked about by progressives about some Facebook ads that Donald Trump had, or his team of advertisers had put out on Facebook that are, um, uh, I'm going to use the word demonizing just because that's the word that pops into my head at the moment. But um, they're they're demonizing um, uh, Antifa, okay? And they use this red triangle, kind of looks like a yield sign, that to to mark these ads. They released eighty eight of these ads in the first. Um, the first sentence has fourteen words. Okay, so why are these things important? Well, these are all considered white supremacist symbols. All right, not so much the red triangle, but the, but the number 88, which H is the eighth letter of the alphabet. And so Hail Hitler would be 88. Um, the 14 words, it, it comes down to some slogan. I can't even remember what the slogan is, and I'm not going to look it up because I really just don't think it's that necessarily important, especially since, you know, I'm an anarchist and people try to paint us into white supremacist fucking corners all the time. Anyway, I just really don't feel like uh, getting into those words. It doesn't matter. You can look it up. I'm sure you can just go to Google, Google 14 words, white supremacy, and you'll it'll pop up for you. I'm just not willing to do it. I just don't care that much about the words because, you know, well, words. Um, so the, the point, uh, uh, okay, so the red triangle has some historic relevance from what I can understand and from what I'm gathering and looking into it. The Nazis used to put a red triangle on the sleeves of imprisoned Jews. Now, there were other colored triangles, but we're going to focus on the red triangle because this is what these ads had displayed, this red triangle, right? So this red triangle was used to mark uh, political enemies uh, in Nazi Germany. The problem being, and here's what progressives are missing because they're they're 
all going crazy. Well, he's, this just shows he's a Nazi. This just shows he's a Nazi. Yada, 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 yada. Okay. Donald Trump's defense of this is, well, hey, the uh, these Antifa groups, some of these Antifa groups use this red triangle. And so we were distinguishing who we were targeting by using the symbolism that these Antifa groups are using. Okay. And there are some Antifa groups that use this red triangle. Uh, Tim Pool did did a, a episode on this, and he showed a, a couple of them. And uh, I've looked at a few of them. And yeah, they're they're on Facebook. They have this red triangle. This red triangle shows up in the emojis on Facebook. Okay, it's not a symbol that's widely recognized as being white supremacist. It's not a symbol that's widely recognized as being neo-Nazi. All right. Apparently, it's used for many different things, including yield signs. All right. So that being said, all right, I, I put out both sides of the argument there. Donald Trump has revealed that he's a white supremacist and he's a neo-Nazi. Donald Trump saying, no, the Antifa's using this triangle, yada, yada, yada. I don't believe Trump is a Nazi. I don't believe Trump is a fascist. I don't believe Trump is an ideologue. I think Trump doesn't have the attention span to learn in grave detail anything. I barely have the attention span to learn grave detail anything. And I don't sit there and run my mouth all the fucking time. And I run my mouth on my podcast, what, once a week or whatever? And I try to have, you know, guests and shit like that. Uh, because sometimes I don't have all the words and I like having conversations with people and getting different points of view and having people point out oddities and things maybe I haven't thought of. So to move on, here's what I think is happening. I think someone in the Trump administration let's say you know the Stephen Miller guy, which I hate the fact I just want Steve Miller to be a band again. Can't we just do that? Can he be a joker, a smoker, and a midnight toker and, and play his music on the run without also being called a racist and involved with Donald Trump? I just wish that that would just go away. Kind of like I wish The Who, when people are talking about The Who on Facebook or on Twitter, they were referring to the band and the music and not the World Health Organization. Can they, Can these bands sue for like trademark violations or something there's like there's something they can do anyway so there's a lot of talk about steve miller being a nazi being a white supremacist i don't know the guy i don't know his ideology i don't really pay much attention to him i really don't pay that much attention to the administration at all because i think it's very I, i don't think it really matters that much in, in, in the scheme of things. I think that's like the least problematic thing happening in the United States to borrow a leftist term. But so they, but let's say, let's just say not Stephen Miller for sure, but somebody within the Trump administration knows or knew with the red triangle, the 88 ads, and the 14 words of the first sentence would trigger 
within leftists. This has been a strategy of Trump since day one to own the libs. And he controls the opposition by driving them absolutely fucking crazy. He controls the opposition and makes them paint themselves in a corner by saying and doing things that he knows they're going to read as quote unquote dog whistles. Again, if it's a dog whistle, only the dog would hear it. But that's another story. The thing is that if somebody approached Trump and said, look, we got this Antifa group and you're trying to you're trying to label them as a terrorist organization. And the left is going crazy because they're not one single centralized group. It's a tactic or, you know, it's yada, yada, whatever, man, like whatever y'all want to say. It's a it's an ideology. It's a tactic. Who's not anti-fascism? This, that and the other. OK, whatever. Yeah, it's also kind of Orwellian. You know, to say that only those who fly the red and black flag and march black block are anti-fascist. No, fuck you. That is not true. Y'all are all a bunch of fucking assholes. You're trying to paint everybody into a corner so they don't have a choice but to, to join you. Because, you know, kind of like Black Lives Matter. You know, you want, well, what, you, you don't think Black Lives Matter? No, I didn't say small b black lives didn't matter. Small BLM, Black Lives Matter for sure. But capital BLM, eh, you know, I have some beef with the organization. Not beef per se, but I, I disagree with them on some things. So and both things can be true at the same time, you know. So is it possible that somebody understood the symbolism here? And told Trump, hey, look, here's what we need to do. Here's what we need to do. If you want to paint these lefties that support Antifa in a corner and drive them fucking up the wall and driving normie, what we would call normie support into your corner and get some of these independents on your side, here's how you do it. If you do this. They are going to determine that this red triangle, these 88 ads, and these 14 words means you are a neo-Nazi. They are going to start screaming at the top of their lungs about things that most people don't see. And you're going to make them, they're going to make themselves sound crazy and make you sound completely and totally reasonable by proxy. And then the normies who may be leaning j voting Joe Biden, those independent voters that may be saying, yeah, I'm not really happy with the way things are going since, you know, uh, since this COVID thing. And now we're like on the brink of a recession and it looks like the economy is about to get really, really bad because of all the businesses I shut down. And suddenly we have these right, these race riots in the street and this, that, and the other, those people that are kind of like leaning towards Biden and away from you are going to look at what the left is saying and be like, 
Oh, that's right. That's why I voted for Trump in the first time place. So strategically, Trump being a neo-Nazi, not a neo-Nazi, whatever you want to say about him, strategically putting these symbols in place the way that it was done, creating such a massive landslide, like just insane, hyperventilating mob on the left to come forward screaming about all these things, make the left look absolutely, totally fucking insane and make Donald Trump look like the reasonable one by proxy. So now they've done nothing but painted themselves to a corner where all they can do is yell and scream at anybody who's like, yeah, I don't know if I see that. I'm not sure that's exactly what I see happening here. And they get hysterical and they scream in your face and say, you must be a Nazi too. When you're like, I don't know. Like what? What does that have to do with anything? And so Trump has strategically placed him in a win-win himself in a win-win situation. But whether it was through his own knowledge and ideology or through somebody else's knowledge and ideology, it does not matter. And so what was the right way to handle that? I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying you can't point it out. I'm saying you can't focus on it and make it your central theme. Because by making that your central theme, you're making yourself sound like a fucking lunatic. That's what I'm saying. All right, now, Aunt Jemima. Okay, let's talk about Aunt Jemima for a minute. So, the lady, I believe her name was Karen Green, who was the model, and Aunt Jemima was born a slave. And she was recognized and chosen from a contest to be the model that was portrayed on the pancake mix, the Aunt Jemima pancake mix. She was chosen because of her charisma, her relatability, and the stories she told. And people were just drawn to her. She was magnetic. Okay? And she was portrayed on the box as what is known as a mammy, which is a stereotype of an old black woman. Okay? So, this is being painted in such a way that look at these fucking crazy leftists taking um, a black icon off of syrup and pancake mix and then leftists saying these fucking racist conservatives want to keep a racial stereotype on the pancake mix in order to denigrate the the black population and paint all old black women as mammies. Well, number one, everybody knows stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. They're, they're, they're based in, on, in fact in some way, shape, or form. Now, whether you like them or not, it's not my problem. The fact of the matter is, are we talking about a stereotype 
in the exploitation of a black woman, or are we talking about a heartwarming story of a slave who became successful and well-known and became an icon? Yes. See, here's the thing. Both things are allowed to be true at the same time. You don't have to choose. It can be a racial stereotype type and still be a heartwarming story. It's, it, it's, it's allowed. You don't have to choose one or the other. No one has to choose one or the other. It is allowed. And so all these things that I've talked about all include framing. Framing. How the media frames it. How if you read a story written by the Daily Wire, it's going to be framed differently than if you read a story by CNN or the American Conservative or Reason you know, Reason Magazine, the Libertarian Institute, Antiwar.com, uh, MSNBC, Fox, CBS, ABC. It's all going to be framed. And everybody knows this. There is a bias or an agenda, however you want to say it, and it's framed to meet that agenda, to reach those ends. For the, it, it's it's the the means justifies the, or the ends justifies the means argument, right? This is not something new. We are completely aware of this. All right. This is very easy to see. You watch Fox news and MSNBC and they talk about the exact same thing from two different points of view. And you're like, okay, so we got two different perspectives here, but perspective is subjective, right? It's a personal choice. How you choose to look at things. Okay. It, is, it does not make it an objective fact. Just because you perceive something in a specific way does not make it an objective fact. So, in beyond that framing, what else does the media do? And then I'm going to get into my perspective, which does not make it an objective fact, but I think it's worth thinking about. The media uses what's known as a strategy of silence... Now, Dana Boyd has written about this. They use what is known as a strategy of silence when it comes to certain stories. And the reason they do, they say it's good, it's for the common good or for the collective, right? But is it always for the common good? Is it always for the collective? Or do they frame it in such a way is it do, is it done for the purposes that they believe that it would be that preserving the establishment is for the common good see because we have to remember that most of these corporate press media outlets are simply mouthpieces for the establishment so is it for so they think that their What's in their interest is for the common good. The existence of the office of the presidency, the existence of the Supreme Court, the existence of the Civil, uh, Civil uh, Rights Act are for the common good. That is good for everyone. That is their point of view. Their point of view is not on individual liberty or freedom. 
which I would argue is for the common good. Because if you recognize that each individual has the liberty to live their life as they so, so choose without committing aggression against other people, that is good for everyone. But that's not how they see it. They see that they have to frame or silence certain voices or certain stories in such a way that it empowers the elite. Now, why could they possibly be thinking about doing this? Look at the way that they've covered these these protests, right? If you look at CNN, they're peaceful protests. If you look at Fox News, they're riots, right? But when it... In all actuality, both things can be true at the same time. There are rioters, there are looters, there are peaceful protesters. You look at MSNBC or CNN, it's all about race. You look at Fox News, it's an attack on police, right? So both things could be true. It could be racist and it could be about police. Or they're saying silent. On what the real issue is. And that's power. That's the power of the government. And those that. Represent the government. But if they. If they frame it in that way. Then they're undermining. The establishment. In which they are the mouthpiece for. And it is their job to be the spokesman of. And to convince you. To propagandize you. Into buying into that that culture or that argument. So a lot of times when you're looking at these stories, you have to understand that what's not being said is just as important as what is said. Now I say all of this because if they were to cover most of these stories or to get into these stories that they are silent on, what it would do is it would unite the left and the right against the power dynamics. And they can't have that. See, they have enough of their uh, chaos on their hands at the moment. And they would have never talked about the George Floyd situation had it not gone viral. They had no choice. Notice that they're completely silent about Breonna Taylor. They're completely silent about Duncan Limp. They're completely silent about that little uh, blonde chick that got killed by the Minneapolis Police Department that I see so many conservatives sharing pictures of saying, why aren't we rioting for her? Well, fucking get out there and do it then. They were completely silent about Daniel Shaver. Right. But see, if the Second Amendment conservative movement looked at it and said, well, wait, 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 wait. Daniel Shaver and Duncan Limp were killed over guns, over guns. Not breaking the law, did nothing wrong. They were killed because they had guns or or possibly had a gun. That was not never even produced. Come to find out was a pellet gun in an open carry state, Arizona. Daniel Shaver was cleaning a pellet rifle. Someone saw it, thought it was a real rifle called the SWAT team in an open carry state. Why is the SWAT team showing up to a a hotel room, assassinating, executing a kid in the fucking hallway 
over owning a gun when it's an open carry state. He can have the gun. There's no law against it. Nothing wrong. Why is it that Duncan Lemp is getting his door kicked in because somebody anonymously tipped off the police that he owned wet, owned guns, owned firearms a couple of months before? If the conservative movement would pay attention to the power dynamic and the fact that the war on guns isn't just the Democratic Party. It's also their foot soldiers. Without those foot soldiers, without the police going out there and executing these warrants, these red flag laws, without them inflicting violence on nonviolent people for the simple ownership of an item for exercising their quote-unquote constitutional rights, the conservatives would be on the side of the protesters. But the media has to be stay silent about this because if the media allows for the conservative movement and the left to team up against the establishment and against those in power, then those are in power are in real jeopardy of losing their power. They team up together and they start strategizing on how to take their country from those that are um, trampling on their rights. Those that have been trampling on their rights for 160 years. Then the establishment has a problem. So the strategy of silence becomes just as important, if not more important, than the framing. Within the framing, they keep you fighting each other and at each other's throat. But the strategy of silence keeps you from recognizing that yours should be at their throats. And if y'all spent more time at their throats and less time at each other's throats, actual changes may occur and some liberty may be, you know, reintroduced into the population. But by keeping you at each other's throats, they keep you stupid to what they're actually doing. So, I think that's about all I got. That was my little rant for the day. I did not have a guest this week because, well, I've been working on some stories and stuff and I forgot to get in touch with anybody but um hopefully next week we'll get somebody on here so i'm tommy salmon looks like we're just under 40 minutes late